Well, good morning. Are we on? Can you hear me now? Hello, hello. Okay. Um, you know, this actually has um, been a, a tough morning. I'm a, a little down. I, I don't know if you know, but like I've been trying to start a series from the Old Testament for like literally like three weeks now. And um, right before I was going to start it at the at February 4th, like a few days before that, like God was just putting something on my heart and I said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll push it back a week. And then we got the great news that, that Rivers and Abby would be joining us. This was last week. And so I didn't get to preach chance. Okay. Okay. This is it. Like I've been gearing up for it. I'm ready to go. I'm excited. This is a, a new series. And then, uh, it, it just kind of all fell apart yesterday. Um, I got a phone call um, from a, a young man I've been uh, <clears throat> counseling with he and his, his wife. And uh, he called me and was really distraught. And um, he asked if we could talk. And I said, well, of course we can. And I asked if his um, wife uh, would be coming, if she'd join us. And he said, no. You know, can you just meet me up at the building? And so um, he brought me this note. And um, obviously, um, I've, <laughs> I've changed the names uh, so that you wouldn't figure out who it is. But it, it, this is the note that she left. <clears throat> Joey, I'm leaving you. Um, I'm tired of living a lie. The truth is, I don't love you, and I never have. I, and I had to censor out a little, because um, <clears throat> it, you know. Um, I, I don't love you, and I never have. You're boring and stupid and pathetic. You can keep the kids, um, but you should know that they might not be yours anyway. And don't bother looking for me or your truck, or your precious savings account. It's all gone. You are and you always will be a loser. Lori. Like, I don't... I, I don't know what to say. I mean, what am I supposed to say? Like, how do you look at a guy... I mean, married for, for eight years and just look at him and... And say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, part of me says like, okay, you just got to focus on moving on. But this guy has nothing. And it's hard not to get emotional about this. Because um, the very human side of me says, I think you should, you should find her. I think you should find her. And I think you should yank the keys to your truck out of her hands. And I think you should recover every penny that you can get from her. Like that's that's a, a part of me. And then there's another part of me that says that like, hey, like, you know, I'm supposed to be the counselor here. I'm supposed, you know, like, you know, I think you might should try to reconcile that relationship. And so I'm just, I'm curious, like, like, what would you say? So, so let me ask you this. 
What would you say if, if, if Joey was, was your son and he came to you in tears and said, look, look what am I going to do now? I mean, is there an easy answer to this? Like, how do you get past that? Like, I don't know about you, but there's probably some people in this room who have felt the pain of one of these Dear John letters. How, how do we respond? How do we respond as humans? How do we respond as people who call ourselves followers of Jesus? I mean, like, what are we supposed to say? I mean, am I a terrible person if I tell Joey that he should just let her go? I mean, surely he's not required to keep the vows that he made eight years ago. Like, that can't be a thing, right? Or am I completely naive and foolish? If I say, look, I, I think God would call you to try to, to save that marriage. To go after her. Like, I don't really understand what to do. And I guess the big question I would ask is, if I could somehow remove myself from that room yesterday and, and God could instead be sitting there in front of Joey, what would he say? How would he advise him? Would he give a suggestion? Would he make a command? Would he say, look, you got to focus on those kids now, like they need some stability? Or does he say, you've got to go get her? I just, I don't, I don't know what to do. And I'm not sure any of us do. And I just wonder, what would God do in this situation? Well, um, here's the truth. And you're probably going to get mad at me, but... This isn't a real letter from a guy named Joey or any other name. It's um, actually just one that I had Angie write up so it'd be in female handwriting in case anybody were to look at this. There's, there's not a Joey and there's not a Lori, but this kind of stuff happens every day. I actually got this idea from uh, a preacher uh, in Carlsbad. Uh, Dale shared it with us when we were talking months ago, and I've changed it a little bit, but but it just really struck me as to how people feel. And I'm I'm not trying to like tear at your emotions, but here's the deal. I am preaching what I have been wanting to preach on for a long time. You see, we're starting a series in the Minor Prophets. And they're called minor prophets, and that leads you and all of us to believe that they're really not that important. They're minor. They're in the Old Testament. They're at the very end. They can't really be that important. But they start off with this guy named Hosea. Right? And there's going to be a Dear John letter, except instead of to John, 
It's to Hosea, and instead of being from a, a lady named Lori, it's from this woman named Gomer. And God knows all about this terrible, hurtful relationship and the pain that Hosea feels. And get this, God not only knew about it, but He planned it and instigated it. And so my question is right now, before we open the passage, I just want to ask you this, because you should think this, what kind of sick God would tell one of His closest followers, hey, listen to me, I want you to get into this relationship that is just going to rip you to pieces and leave you trying to figure out what am I going to do with my kids and a woman who's walked out the door. This is the story of Hosea, and if you don't believe me, I want you to join me as we start. We're going to begin in Hosea chapter 1, verse 1. God knew about this, and not only did He not stop it, He planned it from the beginning. Okay, Hosea 1.1. The word of the Lord came to Hosea, son of Bere, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Johash, king of Israel. Pause right there. Okay, so why in the world did we even read Hosea chapter 1, verse 1? There's just a lot of names in there. One of the reasons I did not want to read it out loud, because I didn't want you to have to hear me stumble over all those words that I probably grossly mispronounced. So that wasn't my reason. But there are a couple reasons why I wanted to read Hosea 1. The first is this, it is placed in a real time, in a real place, involving real people. This isn't a parable, this isn't a hypothetical, this isn't a what if, this is actually a person. God comes to a person, He calls Hosea during this specific time, and He's going to ask him to do something really crazy. And here's the other thing, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, please, Please, I'm just begging you. If you desperately want to hear God talking to you, just think really hard before you ask for it. Because every time God shows up and talks to people, it's never the news that you want it to be. Is it? Is it ever the news? If you go back and read through the Bible, is God always telling people, hey, go do this? He says to Abram, remember what He says to Abram? Go up the mountain and take your son with you. And by the way, make sure to grab a knife and some firewood because you're going to kill him when you get to the top. How about our good friend Ezekiel? You probably haven't read too much about him. God goes to him and says, hey, I just want you to understand. So they get a good idea of these 390 years in which they have not followed me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to lay on your left side for 390 days. I don't know about you, like that's not something I have planned for this year. But that's what he's called to do. Moses! Remember? It's a cool deal. How many of us have said, God, please come to me in a burning bush. Just talk to me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And he says, here's the ticket. Here's the number to the winning lottery ticket. Here's the new job. Here's, you know, this, you know, the beautiful wife. No, he doesn't say that. 
He says, go back to the place where you're a fugitive and grab two million people. You're going to call them out into the wilderness. Y'all are going to do circles in the wilderness for 40 years and the whole time they're going to complain. So just remember, I'm just begging you. If you say, God, speak to me, tell me what to do. I just want you to know, be prepared. Pack your bags because it is going to be a wild and crazy ride. That's Hosea 1.1. I'm sorry, we got a long ways to go. There's 196 other verses in Hosea. If you think we're going to get all of this done in today, not even close. But that's okay. We have weeks ahead, okay? But let's go on to verse 2. It says, the, uh, excuse me, picking up in verse 2, it says, When the Lord began to speak through, Mose, uh, through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, dot, dot, dot. We're going to stop right there. The, don't, don't read ahead. I want eyeballs up on me, you bunch of cheaters. You're going to read ahead. I see you. Don't read ahead. Stay with me for a second. We're, I, you're not going to believe this. Actually, you probably will. We're not getting any further than that today. One and a half verses is all I'm going to get done in this sermon. You look down in the watch and say, wow, we're going to get done early. No, we're not. I, I want to sit on this half verse for a little while. But I want to talk about this for a minute. I love this story. And by the way, people, if you ever think, I don't want to read the Bible because it's boring, like you haven't read the Bible. Because it is wild and crazy. Like, you know, but you can just start in Genesis. And that, the, just the wild and craziness that goes on. You know, if you don't believe me, you can go look in the Gospels. For those of you who have chosen to or, or not to, to watch the, the Chosen, like I'm not saying like that's going to be on the quiz when you get to heaven, but man, that's fantastic. I love that. I would just recently, we rewatched the episode where Jesus is in his hometown and he, he talks about being the Messiah. Guys, you do know that's like death sentence, literally. He's there and, and and they play it out. We don't know exactly what it looked like. But there he is uh, in his, his own home synagogue. He's there. He's teaching. And he says, I'm the Messiah. And all of a sudden, all the people that he grew up with, his friends, are like, what? What? And, and, and the, the preacher there will call him. You know, the rabbi there looks at him and says, you say that, and that means we have to kill you. Are you really sure you mean that? And you can feel the tension rise of people around him. And he says, look, I'm not going to do any of these miracles here in my hometown. And they get furious. And all we have in the Gospels is they get up, they grab him, they take him to the edge of the cliff. And I just love how the, the Chosen plays it out. If you want to watch it, you can. But all it says is, is that he walks back through the crowd. And he doesn't go off the cliff that day. That's a crazy story. Like, folks, read your Bible. Not just because it's entertaining, but because I really, really believe that it is transforming. And I can't tell you, there's not a time that I haven't read the Bible and thought, man, I never even thought about that before. That's crazy stuff. But when you read Hosea, it's a minor prophet. It's no big deal. What? But... God comes to him and says, I want you to marry a what? A promiscuous woman. That's a big word. I just don't know what that looks like. 
I don't know how you go about finding that person. Have you thought about that before? Have you thought about I mean, it's hard enough to date, right? I mean, dating's not easy. Can you imagine, like, sitting down to, on a date with someone and say, I would like to, you know, continue this relationship, but before we do, I need to talk about your faithfulness. Are you going to be loyal? Are you going to be faithful? You know, will you stick with me? And she says yes, and you say, I'm sorry, we can't go any further. <laughs> Have you thought about that? Have you thought about like the speed dating? What are you looking for? I'm looking for a woman who's going to cheat on me and leave me after we've had three kids together. Can you imagine that? That's what God calls Hosea to do. It's in a real time. It's in a real place. The hurt that you felt a few minutes ago as I read about this, this is how Hosea felt. And God put him in this situation. And what kind of God would do that? What kind of God would allow Hosea to suffer in that way? It's not like Hosea was a bad guy. He was a prophet. And don't get confused what prophets means. This doesn't mean that there's this crystal ball and he's reading into the future. He, he, he understands the truth that's been given to him. And then he shares the truth. And again, that's usually not good news. You go back, we're going to find out over the next probably six years. I don't know how long it's going to take to get through all the minor prophets. There's 12 of them, but it's going to take a while. But the news that they're called to give to other people is almost always bad news. Oh, except for Jonah. Jonah gets to give good news. Oh, that's right. He gives good news to people that he really doesn't like at all. Oh, that's another story too. But here we have Hosea. How did you feel? Just go back a couple minutes. Think about the, the, the emotions that you had when I read this little piece of paper. You see, you didn't have to say anything, but I could read it on your face. You knew what you wanted to do to Lori and the guy that she had run off with. You already had a plan in place. You knew who you were going to call. How you could find your truck. You were going to get that money back. And Lori was going to suffer. And if you weren't the one chasing after her, you knew the prayers you would be praying to the good Lord, asking that every calamity and illness fall on this woman who had just completely wrecked your life. Or the life of your son as your daughter-in-law did something so terrible. You might say to him, let her go, Joey. Just she'll end up begging on the street someday and she'll get exactly what she deserves. Don't waste another second on her. you got to know that Lori is worthless. She's done it to you before. She'll do it to you again. How many of you were appalled at the thought that I would counsel this woman, excuse me, this man, to go find his wife? How many of you said that's ridiculous, that's, that's stupid, that's so naive, you can't do that? 
And yet, here Hosea is in this situation. All because God planned it. He arranged the marriage. He watched the fallout. And then, get this, we're not there yet. But what, God, what is God going to tell Hosea to do? Three words. Go get her. That I guys like doesn't that bother you a little bit? If this were my son and his wife did this to him and he walked into a church building and said, "Hey, can I can I speak to the preacher, the the, the pastor? I, I I need to talk." And and showed the letter and, and, and the, the, the counselor's advice is you need to go get her. You need to love her and forgive her. Like there's a phone call going to that church. And I'm going to talk to that minister. I'm going to say, are you stupid? Do you have any idea the hurt that my son has felt? And you want him to go back and get her? How sick are you? Are you stuck in the stone ages? Like, let her go! And so I guess the real question is, why would God do this? And so, for those of you who cheated and read the second half of verse 2, and for those of you who didn't cheat and don't know what's about to happen, let me tell you something. Here's the reason why God did this. Because God said, I want you to know that I'm Hosea. And you're Gomer. And you've chased after money or self-worth or luxury, or I don't have it with me, your cell phone, whatever. He says, you're looking after all those things. I've called you into relationship. I've wooed you. I've loved you. I've cared for you. And you left me with a letter like this saying, God, maybe later. It's just not working out right now. I can't do this. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I'm too mad. I'm upset about the politics or my marriage or my job and finances and things aren't working out and maybe later, but not right now, God, or things didn't work out. I'm out of here. That's us. That's us to God. And so why would God call Hosea to do this? Because he says, I want you to know something. You have broken my heart. You have ripped it out. And I'm weeping and torn apart. Because you just don't really care for me. And I'm your Sunday morning hangout buddy for a couple of hours. And that's all I am to you. And you've left me with this letter. And you know what God does? God says, but I love you. And I will never 
stop chasing you. I will never give up. I don't want the the car back or the savings. What I want you to know is I love you and I will never, ever stop loving you. And this is why I'm so excited about us looking at this little group of books called the Minor Prophets because what they are is they are the passion of God displayed through the lives of people in a nation that just couldn't quite figure out who God would be in their life. But the ultimate result is this, and this is what I want you to know. God will never give up on you. Not through your brokenness or your hurt. Not through all your mistakes. All the times that you wrote that letter. All the times that you thought those thoughts. Every time that you said, God, I'm done with you. Or you just walk away. You don't even acknowledge Him. God says, but I love you. And I've got something so much better than that life of prostitution that Gomer had going for her. He says, your life will never be filled with what you're chasing. Come back with me. And we'll start over. And so that's the call for each one of you this morning. Through your brokenness, through your apathy, through your guilt, God says, I just want you to know it's not over. He's coming after you. Know this. He's coming after you, and it's not to punish you. It's to hold you close and call you to Him. Listen to those footsteps. Turn and follow God. And do that this morning as we stand and sing.